sound white, boy. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Debate Night. I'm Hunter, joined, as always, by Brody and Silas in the booth. Brody's back in Dallas, I believe, back in Texas. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. The West Coast swing's officially over, right? You're going Midwest next. We're done. Yeah. I need, I need, I need a fresh slate, man. I need something fresh. Recap your the West Coast. West Coast, I got crushed. Yeah, I was gonna say, give us like a. We'll obviously get into Beaver State Fling a little bit, but now you get the West Coast was like what four events on the West Coast, four or five events in the West Coast swing. Four, four events. Give us a bird's eye view of like just general what went good, what went bad on that the four event swing out there. For me, like personally, for you, for you personally, for you personally, you. Oh man, um, the list, the list for the stuff that went good is is really small. But (laughs) I mean, I, I I would say like my distance, my distance feels to be completely back from because I feel like Lyme disease last year, I wasn't nearly throwing as far and i yeah. think even at the beginning of this season i still wasn't 100 percent back to throwing as far i think i think my distance is finally back um i mean i play practice rounds with ezra who the uh you know probably top 10 guys distance wise on tour and you know i've played rounds with kevin jones calvin ricky uh you know ab guys that throw far so i feel like my distance is back and then if you actually do go on like udis and look at like the statistics um my t to green and my circle one percentage has been really good so i'm i'm throwing the disc really well i'm very happy with how i've been throwing this uh still obviously would like to give myself more chances and, and more putts but my short game really was, you know, at the end of the day, my short game was kind of my downfall for mm. the last couple of events. Um, yeah, Beaver State Fling, I was 15th uh, with strokes gained, tee to green, and I was 12th and parked, and I was six. Six, meaning five people beat me in circle one in regulation. Um, so, like, I'm giving myself plenty of chances. It's, you know, it's like what we talked about before. There's just so many with, with the field being as good as it was. I mean, I, let me see if I can, let me see if I can look this up real quick. I feel like just a couple swings here and there would have drastically changed your position, Mm. which, you know, when you start, when you start going down, right. When you're like, when you finish in like 80th place. Sometimes if you shoot three or four shots better in the tournament, you might only go up to like 70th or 65th. Yeah. yeah. But right now, like these tournaments are so hot, like packed at the top. You know, I finished at 12 under and that was four shots out of a top 10. Mm, yeah. So that's so it's like a little over and, one stroke around. Yeah, and you think about, and then I go back and I think, okay, like I missed a fifteen footer, mm. that's one stroke. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then I did, and then there was probably five or six times where I had like one hundred and seventy five feet or more in, or sorry, or less in, where a lot of people are probably jump putting, and I didn't get up and down mm. like five times. And it's not like, oh, well, you got a tree in your way and you got to hit a gap. No, I'm talking about you have a basket in the middle of the field. 
I'm 175 feet away and I'm not getting up and down. What, what's those going are, wrong? Those are, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm you like, know, you don't I have don't a consistent miss. No, 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 it's not even so much that it's like, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a lack of focus or going through my pre-shot routine or not, not giving every shot, like the required attention that I need to. Um, but it's, you know, when you're 175 out, you should be getting that inside of 15 feet yeah. every time. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times I would, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was frustrating. I tell you that much, but that was, that was like Beaver State playing is, you know, obviously the weather and stuff like that yeah, yeah. was kind of wild and crazy. But when you start looking at it, you, you know, I'm not happy with a 32nd finish. I'm very unhappy about it. But when you start looking at the scores and go, man, you were only four shots out of a top 10, like a top 10, I would have felt pretty good. Yeah. And it's like, were there four shots that you could have easily gotten? And it's like, the answer is yes. So now it's like, how, how do I make sure in the future I don't give up those strokes? Because when people, when it's easy to go back and be like, well, if I don't throw it OB on this hole, if I don't miss the Mando on this hole, or if I make this, you know, I'm not even talking about my final round that I had like five putts inside of 40 feet and I missed every single one. Like I'm not even talking about those steppers that in my mind, I should make more than half. Yeah, I'm talking about simple, like I have a get freaky zone in my hand. I have a disc or a basket 170 feet away and I just need to get up and down. Yeah. And I was not able to do it. Like those are shots where it's like you can't be messing it up if you want to be at that high level. So that's that's kind of how I feel about the uh about the West Coast is just making dumb mistakes and not capitalizing on opportunities. Mm. So it was definitely a frustrating four tournaments, I can tell you that much. Yeah, and I mean I gotta ask at least this, because when I asked you summarize the West Coast you initially thought I was talking about from like the pro tour standpoint. Was that because you had certain yeah. thoughts on, on the West coast swing as a whole? Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't know if you were, I, I think it was very interesting because you had, you had two very similar back to back tournaments with a week in between. So you had like the OTB mm-hmm. and then you had master's cup. Yeah. OTB might be, might've been one of the most well-run tournaments of the year so far uh, it, you know with the bleachers with the spectator like breaking up with the, just even the, the, driving in and seeing where the spectators park and they have like fencing leading you from the parking lot to the the actual site like otb felt like the most professional event we played at and it was interesting too listening to some of uh i was listening to a podcast today where they were talking about you know, hey, what the U.S. Open's about to happen right now for golf? Yeah, and they were talking to one of the guys, and they were just like saying, like, you know, does it feel, does it still feel like a major? Like, you know, he's been on tour for a couple of years now. Do you still get nervous and yada yada? And it was interesting because one of the things that he said that makes like majors stand out is like the is like the uh, bleacher seating and stuff. He like said how like one of his favorite holes was I think it was like 16 or something because there was just so many bleachers and stuff going in. And that's totally true. When I think about the open that I went to out in Ireland, they bring in these huge bleachers, almost kind of like waste management style, like that they have on 16. Yeah. 
they bring that in for like so many holes. And that's like not your typical PGA Tour thing. Like PGA Tour, they'll have some bleachers here and there. They'll have some suites. But for the majors, outside of obviously the Masters, because the Masters is kind of the same, but like the USGA apparently just comes in and like transforms the course. And I thought that was interesting because I think when we ever, whenever we talk about like, okay, well, what can disc golf do to make majors like feel more uh, special and, and stuff? I think that could be an answer is, is trying to bring in more bleachers, trying to bring in more like stadium seating, trying to bring in more stuff to where it just doesn't feel like another disc golf pro tour event. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think OTB did an incredible job. I think Portland open did a credible job. And then the two, the two silver series, obviously being silver series, they did feel like they just didn't have as much resources yeah. as the other two. So Which they didn't sense. feel as big, but as far as crowds go, man, the, the West Coast definitely brought it. California, they all came out. Pacific Northwest and Portland, they all came out. I mean, the fact that there were people watching in the weather that we were playing in at Beaver State Fling, I mean, that's a, I mean, it was nuts to see how many people were out there even though the weather was miserable. Yeah. That's crazy. That's wild. Um, Silas, I've got, um, I've got a special guest. Can we patch him in? It's a disc golf blog on Twitter. Uh, How are you going to patch him in? Yeah, we can get him in the Discord. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh. He's not coming on. Dang it. I got excited. See, I, was like, face. I was like, we got, we got a chance here. Face. I was like, we got, no, we got a chance is, here. We got an actual debate night. Someone, someone did ask if he was going to come on, and I, I responded saying, no way he does. And this was his response. I asked you if Trump did anything wrong on January, January 6th. You responded, I have no idea. You lack intellectual honesty. You ban people for saying Black Lives Matter, and you defend drunken hecklers. So, nope, I don't wish to join you at your haunted house. <laughs> I mean, that guy lives in a fantasy world. I think at this point, <laughs> I mean, pretty much, pretty yeah, much everything to, he just listed is just not even true. Yeah. So, so to to respond, I have no. My response of I have no idea is I had. I don't know what happened on January 6th with Trump. Like, I literally have the no idea. No, this January 6th? No, that the trial is going on for that right now. That's what he's referencing. Oh, he asked if Trump did anything wrong on January 6th. He's referencing I back he to initially, that. I know, but I think he initially... That's not what he asked, though. He initially oh, asked what my thoughts were on the... He asked, like, did you see the trial or something like that? Yeah. And what my thoughts were. And I was like, I, I have no idea. I'm not paying attention to that. The black lives thing, we've already talked about this many times. But for those that don't know, um, I think it is easy to kind of throw us under the bus and say, like, uh, that foundation banned someone on our – it was first off on Discord, which is like a private server. We have it very public, and we want as many – people that love disc golf to join the foundation disc golf server. And if you haven't yet, check out the link down below, but um, we have a set of rules and they're very, very simple set of rules of what can and can't happen. And we've definitely, I feel like over time too, we've done a good job of changing and kind of going with, you know, okay, this is happening. Our rules don't really allow that, but maybe should they? And we, I feel like we have done a good job of, uh, changing the rules with how the times have been changing. But the Black Lives Matter thing was simply someone just came in and started spamming Black Lives Matter. 
and didn't want to have a discussion or, or anything like that. And it had nothing to do with what he was saying. It was simply the fact that he was just spamming and just constantly saying it. And he was warned and kept doing it and then got banned. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah. They, right? Yeah. It was prior to this situation actually led us to have like a three warning system, but he was yeah. messaged and said like, Hey, calm down, you know, d- stop spamming, not stop saying black lives matter. Stop spamming. Then mm-hmm. put into timeout for a little bit and then came back, continued and then banned. And yeah, obviously people tried to cancel us over that. It wasn't even our decision. We got a message like a day later because like I started seeing stuff on Twitter, yeah. yeah, and I was like, "What the heck's going on? Like, what happened on our Discord server?" And then I had all the whole moderating team explain it all to me. I was like, "Okay, so it's just someone was trying to get us essentially." But I mean, be- from that situation, because we also had a separate rule that wasn't in place with this, but some people had issues with it of like no political talk period on the entire Discord because that's we initially wanted, what we had yeah yeah because we want it to be a, a place that you can just come and talk disc golf because you, that we're all disc golfers like who cares about politics let's talk disc golf that's what the discord's for and some people were upset about that because they thought we were silencing them and all this stuff when we just no politics period was the rule so we created the current event tab so that if you want to talk politics and talk back and forth you just go in there we created a channel for that so like a lot of you know like you were saying changes and adjustments came from that but I mean, it just is going to keep getting thrown in our face without any context over and over and over and over. But it is what it is. The people who are there and the people who pay attention understand the context behind it and what actually happened. And the people who want to hate us, they're going to find a way to hate us, even if it's going back three plus years to find a random tweet and quote tweeting it. And I don't, I, I have no idea what he means by drunken hecklers. I, I feel that like was the anything, Hansen, drunken hecklers. It was the Ella Hansen tweet is what he's referencing. Oh, uh, Okay, that's yeah. I mean, what the heck? You you paid money to come to an event. You should be allowed to cheer and roots and do whatever you want. Essentially, in the rules of spectating. Obviously, yeah. now if you start doing stuff and you start distracting players or you start uh, taking away from the event because you are doing it while players are actually playing, uh, then that's something that can be addressed. But. Yeah. Well, you it's know, like we just... we talked about it last week, where you were saying you love it when crowds are rowdy and like after it comes out of your hand, yeah. people yelling, or you know, if people. I mean, the direct situation was someone was yelling, "Throw a forehand," because they wanted to see someone throw a forehand or something similar to that prior to any throw happening or anything like that. And basically, all you had said was like, "They're a fan." Like, I mean, if I'm at a NBA game, the finals are going on right I now. Had, you think I'm not going to yell every time Steph touches the ball, shoot a three? Like, uh, yeah, I'm not telling him to shoot a three. I'm just saying, like, I want to see you shoot a three. Shoot it. I had a bunch of people this past, I mean, literally the past couple of tournaments yell at me, throw a scuba. Yeah. And like, I, I either just, they're too far away. So I either like just ignore it and keep walking. Or if they say something and I'm like kind of close to them, I'll just like be like, Definitely not a scuba. Like, definitely not throwing a scuba <laughs> from 350 feet away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, is, I think uh, I came on, I don't know if you saw, I, I went on Twitter live for a little bit. And because a bunch of people, I don't even know what people were talking about. I'm, I can't even remember what it was. But it was something that I think this, this Twitter account brought up. And so a bunch of other people obviously, you know, started talking and whatnot. And uh, it just it just baffles me whenever someone 
wants to make the claim that I'm literally trying to get them to come on this podcast for like monetary reasons. Like these podcasts don't really make us that much money. Yeah. And, and I hate to break it to you, but like having a random Twitter account that no one knows really come on this podcast probably isn't going to like blow up. The reason why I'm inviting you on the podcast is simply because it sounds like you do want to have a discussion. And if you do want to have a discussion, what better way of doing it than face-to-face, well, on Zoom or Discord or however it may be, than on Twitter. Like, Twitter's so hard yeah. to have a back-and-forth conversation. And to me, it just blows my mind when it, whenever someone takes that, like, excuse of, like, I'm not coming on your gosh-darn podcast and giving you views. It's like, <laughs> if you really disagreed with someone, like, if you really hated Skip Bayless, right? Yeah. Tons of people hate Skip Bayless. If, now, obviously, Skip, Skip Bayless is a whole on a whole different spectrum than where we are. Yeah. But if you hate Skip Bayless and you tweet him something and he's like, Hey, we'll Skype you in. Come, come on our show tomorrow. Like, are you saying like, no man, debate me here. Like, man, no, you, you are a hundred percent taking him up. on. I that mean, the like, only, yeah. the only way I'm saying no is if I know I'm about to get roasted and lose in front of the whole audience on ESPN or whatever. I, I don't even know Skip Bayless, what his show is anymore. I'm not going on there because I feel like whatever, I'm about to get wrecked. Half the people that listen to this podcast agree, uh, like disagree with most of the stuff that I even say. So it's not even like we have like a, yeah, we don't have like a bunch of people just in the chat being like, yeah, whatever Brody says. Yeah, sure. A hundred percent. No, our chat. I mean, Silas, you watch our, you watch our chat all the time. When I start going on rants and start going off people in the chat all the time, call me out. So it's not like we have like this, uh, you know, you're coming into the den, uh, the lion's den, you're going to get roasted. But like, if you are coming on and you do have like stupid stuff to say that I find is like, I don't believe or I don't whatever. And I'm inviting you on to the podcast. Like, I don't know how you still take up on that. I mean, I agree. We'll see if it ever happens in the future. I'm, my money's on. No, I don't think it'll ever happen. No, it's too many, too many, too many chances. That'd be electric. though. Um, it would be. It would be. I mean, I'm I'm always so curious. Like to me, like I'm just so curious as some of the stuff that I'm so adamant on and so passionate about. I'm just so curious how someone else's brain thinks differently. And so I'm not even in the spectrum of like I'm 100% right and you're 100% wrong. It's more like I'm curious to just hear your point of view to like try to like to try to re like come to the same conclusion of like how did you get to where you're thinking and um unfortunately when you don't have conversations you know over voice over talking and you just have them via twitter it's very difficult sometimes to even understand what someone's point is yeah no 100 percent uh i do gotta ask you to take completely different 180 turn uh so you're back in dallas i was more curious myself because i've been i've been dallas a few times now played some courses when you come back in town, what's like the first course you want to go play? Like, is it always like I just got to get Dash's track game real quick, or is it there like no, a different no, course? No, no, no. Like today, today. I mean, I think it's really weather dependent. So like today it was you. extremely windy, extremely windy. So I went to Old Man, which was, uh, it's it is on the lake, and there's a couple holes that are pretty ridiculous to play when it's windy. 
but like the other half of the course is in the woods and kind of protected. So it's very, it's very uh, weather dependent. I normally text uh, the easy three group and, and, you know, ask like, Hey, how the, how has the weather been? Like, has it rained? Because if it's rain, then that pretty much knocks out 95% of the courses in the area <laughs> um, has just being unplayable. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like to bounce around. We're, we're going to be playing Greenbelt Golds, which is probably the, like the most closest to like a USDGC or a preserve that we're about to go play. It's a very long course, very demanding off the tee landing zones. And uh, so, yeah, so this week we're going to be probably playing that most of the week to uh, get prepared for the preserve. So you have a preserve. You'll be heading out early next week right yeah my my schedule is kind of nuts next week i'm doing i'm flying up to minneapolis to go to the preserve we're going to film the practice round and film the doubles battle um we do have confirmation that double g is going to be in this week's double battle doubles battle and him you know obviously being on the hot streak that he's on plus at preserve which is a course i think really suits his game it should be very fun uh initially the idea is to have um david wiggins as his partner we're not sure if he's going to be at the event or not so stay stay tuned for that but it should be a good doubles battle and then i'm going to be flying to evansville indiana oh for, for am worlds AM, am worlds um i'm doing some stuff with discraft there and then I'm going to be flying back to Minneapolis, get like one more day of practice or like one more round of practice in. And then we got the preserve. So it'll, it'll be a little bit of a busy week for me next week. But this week is more um, chill, hanging out with the boys, hanging out with Kelsey and, uh, you know, getting some practice in down here in the warm, warm weather. Nice. Uh, yeah, because what's going on this weekend is the match play event out in Colorado, uh, which obviously which that's surprisingly... What- I got an invitation to. Really? That that just should show you something. Now that's like how, okay. Like, far down they had to go. Wow. I was I was my my question was going to be because obviously we've seen Calvin Heimberg has yeah, now Calvin, announced he's he most likely out. So I'm assuming he's going to be yeah. officially out. Uh, we also so. that adds him to a list of Ricky Wysocki, Chris Dickerson, Paul McBeth, Drew Gibson, Matteo, Emerson Keith, Chris Clemens, Corey Ellis, Thomas Gilbert, Casey White, now Brody Smith who have been qualified and rejected their invitations. Which leads you to a question. Well, so did you of, say Simon? Simon's in there too, Simon, right? No, Simon's going at, on this list. Oh, Simon. Unless he, is, unless he is since. Uh, Discmania sponsors it. I would imagine, you know, they probably want him out there. Um, okay. Yeah, he, he's there. I mean, there's still a, a decent field when all things are considered. Like, mm-hmm. Gannon Burr is still going to be there. Aaron Gossage, Anthony Barella, Simon Lazat, Mason Ford. Nico, Joel Freeman, Kevin Jones. There's still going to be plenty of people to make it entertaining. So yeah. it's still going to be a worthwhile watch as fans. But as a player who has rejected now, now that I know that, what's your reasoning? And have you heard other players' reasonings for, for why are so many people not going to this thing? Yeah, I mean, my, my reasoning is pretty simple. Like um, Jeff Spring reached out to me a couple days ago, maybe two mm-hmm. days ago. It was either Sunday, I think it might have been Sunday night, letting me know, hey, just, you know, if someone else drops, you're the next man up. Just wanted to let you know, yada, yada. So for me dropping out, I mean, it's it was definitely more 
of a timing situation of where I was, pl- I was already flying back home with, uh, to Dallas and I was already planning on doing, you know, we just, I, we still have boxes out here. We still haven't completely moved in yet. Yeah. So there's still like a lot of stuff I need to kind of do around the house. Um, but also the decision also kind of got a little easier for me is because I was, I actually got pretty sick yesterday. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if that was a. I think it was a mixture of the weather we were playing in because it literally went from beautiful weather, like eighty degrees, seventy five degrees, to like fifties, forties, yeah, and and rainy. And so I don't know if that drop in weather like kind of got me like a bad cold, but I was feeling really, really bad yesterday. So it kind of made it like pretty easy for me to be like, Hey, I don't know if I'm even going to feel good enough to do this. But for me, like timing just didn't really make sense. Uh, with the other pros, I think it's really, it's a tough ask. I think it's a really, really tough ask when you have everyone in Portland right now and they have to make their way over to preserve to then stop along the way in Colorado. I think the location also with it being at altitude, I think some people just didn't want to have to relearn how to throw discs because you know, your discs are going to fly completely different in Colorado than they do elsewhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we've got a pretty big stretch coming up with, uh, with tournaments. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not super, I'm not super surprised with the decision for a lot of the pros not wanting to go to this event. Yeah, I mean, from from the list, so Calvin Heinberg, when he tweeted, it seems like he's sick or injured or, or something's going on. He said his body doesn't need the rest. It's essentially what he had, or not tweeted. I saw it on Twitter. He put it on Instagram. Ricky, obviously, he's still coming back from his knee injury. So he's missed pro tours up to this point. He's coming back at the preserve. So kind of injury, injury to a certain extent. Chris Dickerson, he's not coming back till Idlewild. So, again, makes sense for him. Paul, I'm pretty sure that he's at a Paul McBeth Foundation trip out of the country this week. So, there's that. Beyond him, the Drew, Matteo, Emerson Keith, Chris Clemens, Coriolis, Thomas Gilbert, Casey White, those players. I mean, I have no idea. It just seems like a very large list. I think it's just a, tra- I think it's a, it's a traveling thing. Yeah. I mean, everyone, you know, we just got done with a long stretch over in the West Coast, right? We basically were five weeks straight. There was one week off, but most people that, you know, have RVs or have vans, they stayed out West. So they were, they were just out West for five weeks. Now they have an off week to get over to preserve. If you take away that off week, they now are driving to Colorado and doing all of the Colorado. And then literally right when Colorado ends on Sunday, they're doing a full day to get to the preserve where I think a lot of people are just like, listen, I want to take my time. I don't want to have to drive a crazy amount of hours in the day. Yeah. And I, I'm just going to get over to Minneapolis whenever I get over there and start practicing. I think that's, um, I think that's uh, in the back of the mind of a lot of people is like, it, it's, it would be tough to, to travel get to Colorado, finish that event, and then go straight to Minneapolis afterwards. Yeah. Um, I would be interested to see yeah. what the attendance would have been if if this was at, say, I think I think uh, someone tweeted at me, and I think Blue Ribbon Pines, if that's the right name of the course, I'm pretty sure that's somewhat close to the preserve. Or at that's least where they just in, had the Majestic. Yeah, so it's at least in Minnesota. But mm-hmm. somewhere like that where it's like more in the f- vicinity, 
to where instead of the ask being you have to go somewhere in between and then go to Minnesota, if it's like go to Minnesota and you're just going to have to get there a little faster. I would be interesting, interested to see how yeah. many players that swayed. Because, I mean, on the FBO side, we have Kristen Page and Cat not showing up either, which Kristen's obviously in Europe. Page and Cat, not fully sure there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when, when you combine the MPO and FPO, you're missing basically the top five because Eagle's obviously not listed, but he's not going to be there. You're missing the top five MPO and the top three FPO players at this event. Well, here, that just here, immediately well, lowers here. the quality. Well, here's the question, too, is, like, why play this event? Yeah, I mean, that's what we talked about on Griplocked a little bit. Is like, like what, what's, is the it, reason, what's the reasoning to want to play in this event? It would I mean, have the, to be money the to only, a certain extent. I, that's the only thing I can think of is the winner takes home 10K or whatever it may is be. It, I was going to say, is, have but they announced they, what it is this year? We couldn't really find it. I know last year the winner oh, took home no 10K. Idea. And I know that last year pretty much everyone that I'm showed up took home even, money, but... Yeah, I'm assuming it's probably very similar to that, if not more. But like outside outside of like the money, like what is the reason to play this event? And if you look at it, all the people that are saying no, 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 those are all people that don't need the 10K. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the tricky thing is is you have an event that there's not really any prestige behind. There's not any like hey, I just won this match play. It doesn't go on your record. There's not, it's, it's very much like the all-star kind of event. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where it's tricky is, you know, players know how important these elite series events are. I mean, you're, and you're also starting to see like way more people play these silver series events than they did last year. Like the silver series fields this year have been very, very impressive. And so, yeah, I mean, I think people are putting their time and effort and, and you know thoughts all towards trying to get more disc golf pro tour points because more than ever, I mean, if you go down, go down the people, uh, have you looked, have you guys done that on, on grip locks? Have you guys looked at like who's right now not qualified for the tour championship for the tour championship? We did it like two weeks ago, two or three, maybe it's three weeks ago now. Uh, we did a, a update because, on it. There's a lot of good yeah, players that are outside like, that line. There's a lot. Like right now, you have these are the people right now that are that are in for the qualified playing. You have Luke Sampson, Jeremy Coling, Bradley Williams, Nate Sexton, myself, Connor O'Reilly. That those are the people that are in the play-in position. And then outside of that, you've got names like Austin Hannum, Linus, Greg Barsby, Kale. Withers, Presnell, Nicholas, Cole Radolin, who's had a couple of really good finishes. Yeah. Ben Callaway, Andrew, Andrew Marweed. Uh, I mean, you can keep going down, but it's gonna get it's gonna get really interesting too, because it's like it's also the points are really, really close too, right? Like 200 points right now, you're in 23rd, and 150, and you're not in. So there's only 50 points that are like separating like 10 spots right there. So it's good. It's getting really interesting. And obviously now towards the end of the season, it's going to get real wild because now you're going to have the people that front loaded. I mean, most people played in mostly everything, but there definitely are some people that like didn't travel like Barsby, for example, like he hasn't been at every elite series event. So now he's going to be adding points where other people are going to be like taking away their bad 
tournaments and adding in their good tournaments. So I think that's going to be kind of nuts coming down to the wire. Yeah, no, it's a, it, as soon as the drops, as soon as the drops start happening, it's going to get, it's going to get pretty wild. Cause I mean, someone like Dickerson yeah. can, he obviously knows he's going to be in, but it just is a matter of, you know, with how many events he's missing in the middle, it pretty much just every event he plays counts to a certain extent. Counts. And so for him, mm-hmm. you know, getting into that top four hasn't exactly proven to be as big of an advantage as, you know, they probably want it to be. But it is still somewhat of an advantage because you, you are guaranteed to make it into a later stage if they keep it the same way this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's something where that that's where it's going to get interesting too down the line. Is someone like Dickerson is in a similar situation like you're saying, where every event he plays, he's going to be adding those points to his total versus maybe mm-hmm. adding only the 45 point difference between his worst and his best or something like that. Uh, the point series yeah. are definitely going to get more and more entertaining as the year goes on because also what's going to come into play is once these playoff events start in August, uh, that's going to get interesting because then there's going to be some events where some more notable pros might not even make a, a playoff event if they're outside the top 60 or whatever it may be. Uh, they might not make the second playoff event or something like that. So that's it's really going to get interesting towards the end of the year. I'm very excited to see how it plays out this year. I really like the playoff format. Yeah, there's so, I mean, these last couple of tournaments too, we've seen so many of the like the up-and-comers on tour too having incredible finishes. And so it's going to get real exciting towards the end. Yeah, like you said, with everyone kind of battling for a couple spots. Yeah. Now I saw on Twitter where you'd put out and you'd asked for some recommendations or questions oh, for debate night tonight. I, I got some good ones. You got some good I ones. I got some good ones. Heck yeah! Sorry, Silas. We're gonna go to Twitter. People, We're gonna go to Twitter first. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can put some in the YouTube chat if you have some topics you want, and, and Silas can sort through those. If there's any great ones, Silas will be sure to pull them out. But it sounds like we got some good ones coming from Twitter tonight. Yeah, I, I picked out. Little, I picked out some. Oh, Silas! Just a little side oh, note. I, I did a little research. Side and, note, Silas. I love it. And, I'm muted. Um, you just muted me. What? <laughs> oh, my uh, headphone came off. Uh, Keep going. I'm he sorry. Stepped on his headphones. Anyway, uh, on the match play event last year, uh, the pot was ten grand and for the winner. Correct? For the winner. Yeah. For the winner. So hopefully we're seeing a little bit. More I would imagine that. it at least matches that. Hopefully. Yeah. But yeah. Just thought it was interesting. All right, let's hear some Twitter Twitter takes. All right, so let's talk let's talk about baskets here real quick. Obviously, oh with the yeah. Coriolis situation, should chains on baskets be removed for the Pro Tour? Reducing the ability to run putts at baskets with that much force would create more scoring separation and encourage touch along with accuracy. So this is like going back to like the old, I mean, old old school, right? Disc like golf used pole. to just be a bowl. Just used to be a pole, right? Yeah. Um, but now I'm, I'm assuming he's saying like there's a pole, but then there's a basket. I don't think so. My whole thing is like if 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 baskets are going to change at all to make it be more difficult, just keep it short and simple. They just need to be like brought in a little bit. But you you need chains. You you no can't, absolutely can't be playing with just a can't be absolutely. playing with just a pole. Uh, in regards to the Coriolis thing, though, there, I think hopefully this opened someone's eyes in How charge somewhere. It got the basket was damaged, and when it got welded back, they the TD or whoever they went to fix incorrectly? the basket and made it too big, so a putter just fit. The fact that it happened on coverage 
is wild. That's wild. Like that could have happened to That's it, it could have happened to more people. I'm sure we would have heard about it by now. But if it happened to one person all round, he happened oh, to be on if, lead card. That's crazy. I guarantee if that if that would have happened if that would have happened at all this season, we would I would have known about it. I would have heard it. No, I'm saying I like heard anyone talk about yeah, it. Yeah, like during the Beaver State clean ground, everyone else happened. played it. Well, that was, this, on a normal basket, it can't happen. So that's what that's what we talked about on Griplock. That I'm curious of like what what is the Pro Tour do is like that basket wouldn't technically be PDJ legal because it's, it's been a modified I don't know where the rules are but like it's a modified approved basket oh. so like a, a disc the the basket like qualifications a disc can't fit through there so in some like what when happens they first told me that when they first told me that I, don't even, I can't remember who it was but I was like in the parking lot after my round stretching and I was like yeah did you like they're talking about like the you know because I think at at one point it was like very close and they're like yeah can you imagine if like Corey Ellis loses by one stroke and and that happened and he's like yeah the the putter just fell through the basket and when someone told like obviously I think a lot of people learned about that from the video but if just imagine someone like telling you that and like you trying to visually figure out what had actually happened. Like I had no clue. I was like trying to wrap my brain around, like fell through the bat. Like, what do you mean? Fell yeah, through? Yeah, no, it doesn't make someone any sense. Was like, someone was like, did he use like one of those like really like wobbly putters that you could fold up and it like somehow. Yeah. And like I finally watched the video and it's like, no, that thing it just, just like, fell through. It just fell right Straight through. through. And it's so crazy. Oh, all right. Um, that was from SSJ char. This is from Chase Shipman. They, they want to know what means more world rankings or rating. So I'll go, I'll say my, I'll say mine from two perspectives. The first one will be from a player's perspective. And then the second one will be from a, no, I'll say both from a player's perspective. Cause I think players perspectives actually are changing. So if you are a player and you are a well-established player already and you already have uh, your sponsorships and all everything like that locked in, the world ranking, mean, like the, the rating might actually mean nothing to you. The world ranking means everything. If you're an up-and-coming player or you're not even on the Pro Tour yet, rating means everything and your world ranking probably means nothing because... Um, we've talked about this before, just the way sponsorships go, the way getting into uh, tournaments and all that stuff, rating is so much more important. So that's where I'll go. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I fully but. agree. Yeah, I mean, I think I think over the past year or two, like if you asked this question a little while ago, world rankings didn't exist. Like UDISC wasn't doing them yet. The PDGA put them mm. out at the end of the year. And so all there was was ratings. So it's been a like slow transition where like media talks a lot more about world rankings than ratings just because world rankings are a more accurate stat for the pro tour and people who are con- consistently touring. I don't want to say more accurate stat, I guess. It's a more relevant stat for people who are consistently touring and stuff like that. Uh, now, which world rankings you use, that's a whole different debate. But exactly what you said, like for me personally, I'm not, I can't find my world ranking anywhere. So if I want to care about something and stack myself up against someone in the world, all I have is rating. Yeah. That's it. And when I go out and I play a PDGA tournament, 
like the rating is the only thing to care about beyond if I won or not. If I didn't win, I didn't cash, but I rated really well. That's the only other thing there is to care about. So I think for sub thousand rated players, non touring players, amateurs, rating is is what it is. But if you're talking in correlation to the the pro tour, then world ranking all day. All right. These are two tweets that are about the same thing. I'm going to read both of them because they kind of one adds a little context to the other. So Mr. JC17, have you heard any players dropping out or struggling with current gas prices while on tour? And then the other tweet yeah, that I saw goes that. with that is from, most, from Mostly Peaceful um, asked the same basically thing saying like, you know, large fuel guzzling vehicles. Is this causing problems? Um, 2,000 miles a month on tour in a 10 mile per hour per, per gallon vehicle runs about $1,000 a month at $5 a gallon. Last year's tour had that number at $500. So essentially like prices for gas going up so much, you know, people are now paying, you know, a lot of money yeah. when they're in these big vans and RVs and all that stuff. I'll be honest with you. I honestly have no clue how some people are touring. I have no idea how they even are doing it. I just looked at, you know, just to give some context, like I didn't have that great of a uh, Beaver State fling. Like I didn't play that well, but I didn't play like terrible. And I got 32nd and I won. How much money did I? How much money was that? Let me look here. So 32nd took home. Wait, what the heck? Hold on. Here we go. $310. So if I'm paying, if I'm paying for everything, right? If I'm not, if my sponsor is not paying for stuff and it's all coming out of the Brody checkbook, like how does that math make any sort of sense? No, it's tough. It doesn't, it doesn't. And is the then, answer. And then you and then you look at the uh the majestic. Did you look at the payout for that? The majestic. Uh Crap. Why does it do that? Why is why does it sometimes take you to the one from 2021? Okay, Barsby just won the Majestic. To to make the same amount of money I made on that, would I say it was Silas 310? Yeah. Yeah. If you got if you got 34th place at the Majestic, you won three hundred dollars. So 32nd place at Beaver State Fling. And, and just to give you just to give you like an idea, I hate ratings, but to give you an idea, 26th place, a 900 and a 944 rated player got 26th place at the Majestic and won $330. Mm. And if you're Greg Barsby, you won $2,465. Yeah. And you beat people, and the people that you beat in the field. These are just people that I know. Other touring pros. Evan Smith, Kale LaVisca. Jordan Castro was there. Dollar. Right? I, th- I guess you throw Matt Dollar in there. Now I see Jordan Castro, Clint Calvin. Hebenheimer was there. Noah Meitzma. That's it. Yeah. So, like... 
it's a it's a wild thing to me to think of like I I I obviously I want the disc golf pro tour to make sense for people to go and tour. I, I want the disc golf pro tour best players, but ultimately like it does not make sense to it really does not make sense to play on the disc golf pro tour a lot of times. No, you got yeah, it's a it's a very, very tough I don't know. I would love I would love to see and there's no way for this would ever happen. I would love to see financials of some of the people touring and just be like, where is this coming? Because I know some people like supplement their income with side hustles, do, driving for like yep. Instacart, DoorDash, Uber Eats, stuff like that while they're on the mm-hmm. road. And that, that makes a lot of sense. Some people... Or they do, they do clinics or they sell discs and they do all that Yeah, stuff Yeah, too. and there, there's a lot of other ways. Uh, I remember one guy, um, I think he still, still does it, but I don't think he does it... I don't think he plays disc golf anymore, but he was like semi touring disc golf. And I asked someone, cause like he would pop up random places. And like when he rolled up, like I was like pretty impressed with them. Not play wise. Just like, I, I, I forget exactly the whole situation, but I asked someone like, what is this guy's story? And the dude is running like pages on Instagram that had like hundreds of thousands of followers and was just doing like sponsored posts and like had like three or four of them. that he yeah. was just running. And so he just kind of like worked from home and then played disc golf for some fun here and there. And so, yeah. like, I've I feel heard like there's people doing like roofing and stuff. Yeah, like I feel that, like there's a lot of random, into... random stories of like people who do stuff and they're on the pro tour, but it's like they can work from wherever they're going. And so they like pick up side jobs, pick up, you know, like DoorDash is a very common one, I think, stuff like that. Obviously, the goal is eventually if you're on the tour and you can place the top 20 a few times throughout the season or like if you can place top 20 like once a month then you're you're golden that's kind of the the eventual goal uh and i think the the tour is heading there it might already be there in some facets but i think that that's why you see some players like obviously dickerson with his new contract it's not a financial well it might still be a financial decision just being smart with money but like there's sometimes where it's like going to the west coast if you're driving out there and you're looking at the tour events out there. You're like, I'm gonna drive all the way out there for you know four or five events. Oh, it just doesn't make sense. I, I can cash- go home. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't like last cash. I was probably like I think I was almost like middle, like lower middle of the pack because I think I'm pretty much. I think I pretty much got like thirtieth or around thirtieth at all four events. Yeah. So like I was like the middle of pack cashing at every single event, and from from flights from hotels and food and then you know obviously too you gotta factor in like the actual cost of you know registering and then we actually paid for the last two portland events we actually paid for parking so Mm. it was five dollars to park at uh beaver state fling so i was out there monday through sunday i was 35 bucks to park but you start doing the math and you're just like holy cow like i actually made no money I actually lost a lot of money going out there and it'd be interesting to see, like you said, the financials of a pro that's touring Yeah, with, with the disc golf pro tour. And then it'd be interesting to see the financials of a pro that basically finds all the big A tiers that are still kind of in a drivable distance that coincide with tour events. Because if you can find a big A tier event, AKA the majestic, that is happening during a pro tour event, you only really have to beat like five people. Yeah. 
where you look at the Beaver State fling, you're you're having to beat like 50, 60 people, maybe more now. I don't know actually what the number is now, realistically, but um, you know, it just it's I a mean, crazy thing. Like yeah. you can just bounce, you can bounce around if you like win a you know you win a handful of tournaments here and there. Like you could easily make fifty thousand dollars off of disc golf. Like not not obviously. Uh, you know, might not minus your your expenses, but I'm just saying, like your your income, you could easily make fifty thousand dollars a year if you're just playing a couple flex starts throughout the week and then just finding those big A tiers. Because, like I said, like Greg Barsby just took home twenty six hundred dollars, and not to discount that win at all. Obviously, the Majestic is a big tournament, and lots of players go there. But if you look at the actual field of players that went there. He really is only having to compete against a handful of guys. Yeah. Versus the preserve, you know, next weekend. I mean, you're now having to probably, I mean, the preserve, you probably have to beat like 70 or 80 people. Yeah. And not even to mention like A tiers, if the field's full, you still get sponsor bonuses and stuff uh, for players who like, oh, yeah. Even don't even have, think about um, that. Because I remember I had a contract with Prodigy. Um, just like your, a basic entry-level pro contract. The only way I would make mm-hmm. money is bonuses. So it was like if at a C-tier, if it was like a completely full tournament, then they valued that because like your speech at the end is to a full tournament. B-tier was slightly less. People had required but more money. A-tier the same. And then it also like as you went up, it was like you had to win the C-tier. This is completely made up things, but you had to win the C tier, come top three at the B tier, come top five at the A tier, come top 15 at an NT, come 20 at a major, something like that. But then it had a bonus structure. So I'm sure there's tons mm-hmm. of players who are pros sponsored on like the lower end of the pro tour that have a very similar thing. And it's like, yeah, you could go to the, pro, the Silver Series pro tour and have to come top 20 to get a bonus. Or I could go to this A tier, like you're saying, and only have to come top five to get a bonus and stuff like that. Um, and we also saw, like, for a while when Dickerson, before, you know, this year he went a little more out west, but for a while that's what he was doing. He was just chilling around Tennessee. He'd play the East Coast swing events and some of the Midwest events, but he just dominated Tennessee, North Carolina, you know, that whole yeah, region I mean, and made made his living. And, like, that's I mean, the way to get into the, the Pro Tour. Let me just list off some, some names of people that didn't cash at a Silver Series event, which... Yeah. Again, back in the day, last year, Silver Series, we were like, ah, eh, it's not that big. Like you even you even still think a Silver Series win is like, ah, eh, shouldn't count. These I, are I mean, that aren't it's, even it's ca- a Silver Series. That's why. It has nothing okay. to do with the field. But these are, but the, these are people that aren't even cashing at the last event. Eric Oakley, Calvin Heimberg, Chris Clements, um, James Proctor, Tristan Tanner, Nicholas Carl, Nathan Queen, Andrew Presnell. AJ Carey, um, then kind of drops off after that. Yeah, but I mean, like that's, I mean, the the fact that you can list off like five to ten pretty pretty well known touring pros, like this is becoming more and more of a theme. And in the past, I think you know all these people are incredible disc golfers to where if they go to an event. They're they're almost assuming, not even assuming. They're almost guaranteeing themselves, like, well, yeah, I'm going to cash. And I think that I think that has been the biggest storyline this year is 
there are so many good players now in these fields that someone has to not cash. Like there, there has to be some people that just don't cash. Yeah. And, uh, eventually it's going to get crazier and crazier of where we start seeing, you know, crazier jumps and swings and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. I said that was a fascinating topic. I think when you get into the financials of everything too, like we've always talked about it, like, you know, what does what does the retirement plan of a 40-year-old disc golf pro look like? Yeah. Like what does what does that look like? Those things just are very fascinating. And healthcare All too. Right, we've seen that come up um some um, yeah. some recently with uh, I think Emerson Keith was the most recent, but I mean Johnny McRae was the obvious one. He actually just won a tournament, first tournament back from his heart attack and that whole oh, thing. He won the tournament. He, I saw him throw his first shot. I didn't I'm pretty know positive. Yeah, he won a C tier and had like he posted his acceptance speech and all that. It was it was awesome. But yeah, I mean stuff wow. like that is stuff that you have to like be thinking through. You know, and I'm just I it just fascinates me because I would I would just love to to see like what percentage of incomes coming from where and like are, I'm sure there's some guys that have like six or seven income streams and they've really diversified and they're being smart with it. And I'm sure there are other like if I don't cash today, I don't get to drive to Minnesota. Like I just, I think it'd be fascinating to, to learn, but. Okay. Anthony Soto says, how much should elite series event tickets cost or to put it in another way? What is the correct balance of high enough price to profitable versus affordable enough to be attractive? Man, that's um, tough. I mean, this is definitely, yeah, this is definitely not my expertise. I'll be the first to say like, I have no clue. I think, the one thing I will say is I think having like a, a different, like having a, a structured pro uh, a structure, like set of tickets, if that makes sense of where you have the regular spectator passes, uh, this just gives you general admission and you can basically just go to like the normal spots. Then you have like what they've been doing, which is like the VIP or whatever you want to call it. And you get to like actually walk with groups. Um, heck you can even sell like inside the ropes you can sell sweet passes. There's a there's a lot of a lot of different variations that you can go about it. But I think that I don't know what the heck the prices would be. I literally have no clue. Yeah. But I think having a wide range of like if you just don't care and you just want to go to the event, ten bucks. But if you want all the bells and whistles, seventy five bucks a day. And, yeah. and giving people the option. I definitely think I think in my opinion, I think the one issue I've noticed somewhat with the ticket pricing is I feel like the barrier to entry if you just want to show up to an event is too high. I think the general admission seems to be a bit steep, but I don't know the right ratio or stuff like that because like obviously you can say, oh, just make general admission like 10 bucks, uh, but then they still need to have an expectation of like, it might be the only people that are showing up are the same people that are willing to pay 40 bucks for general admission or 30 bucks for general admission or whatever it is. And so if they cut it down to 10, they're not going to get three times as many people. They're going to get the same amount of people and just be losing 20 bucks a head. So it's a tough one. I don't, I don't really know. I just feel like to me, it, it depends on what the goal is. Cause like if the goal is to draw in, you know, be doing local advertising, draw in people who are just curious, have never watched disc golf before or anything like that. I feel like 30 bucks, 25 bucks, you know, it varies tournament to tournament. I feel like that for like a day, day journal admission pass is like a big ask for someone who is like, hasn't watched disc golf before, but for someone who is a diehard disc golf fan, that's nothing. That's fine. Well, I think it also like, it, it definitely, 
it definitely matters like what you actually are showing up, right? Yeah. Like Beaver State, Beaver State Fling, for example, one had to pay for parking to get in because you're paying. It's an, I believe it's in a national park. It felt it had the national park vibes. So I believe you're paying to get into the national park. So everyone's paying five bucks just to park. And then on top of that, you're paying whatever the, the fees are to actually get into the tournament. But you're going to a national park. Like you're going to a, a, a public park that you could go to anytime that you wanted. And if I go there and I don't see any changes, like if there's nothing really different than when I go there, when the tournament's not there, I'm going to be really second guessing, like, why the heck am I spending this much money? Yeah. Like when you go to any sporting event, Obviously, you're going there to watch the sporting event. We'll just say, because because the NBA Finals are happening, we'll go with the NBA Finals. You're paying the money to go to watch the NBA Finals. But when you go there, there are a lot of things that you probably, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where, like, it's the whole idea, like, mints, like, when you go to an Italian restaurant and you take a mint at the end of your dinner and you're like, oh, that's a free mint. And it's like, no, that's not really a free mint. Like, all that's factored in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, how it's... Back to the free mint metaphor. We've been here. I love it. Yeah. So, so it's factored into it, but, like, you know, the cheerleaders, the halftime show, the people walking around with concessions so you don't have to get up, the nice, well, sometimes nice bathrooms... All these things that when you go to a basketball game, you're just like, you know, are going to be there. I don't know yet if disc golf is there, and especially it's definitely like you're talking about. It's event to event, right? Yeah. Like if you went to the OTB event and you went to Masters Cup, you got two very different events of what one gave you and what the other one gave you. And so that's where I think it's going to be tricky in knowing like how much you can charge because if you're just charging and you're showing up and you're like, I'm paying $40 to walk around a park and watch disc golf. That seems kind of pricey versus I'm paying $40. There's really good parking. There's uh, you know, there's bathrooms wherever I need them. There's food places, there's beer tents, there's uh, TVs with leaderboards and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like now all of a sudden that $40 doesn't seem as crazy, uh, I think that's where it's going to be tough. Yeah, no, it's definitely definitely an interesting one. It's going to be interesting to see how it continues continues to develop. I mean, a step in the right direction, or at least with the right intentions, in my mind at least, is the like concert series. Um, I don't know if that's like the the best example, but it's Ooh, a step yeah, in the right kind of like a festival. Yeah, in my mind, thing. it's a step in the right direction of like we're adding more than just like. We're adding more than you're just showing up and watching a random tournament. Like, at least there's more there going can on. Can I say this, though? Yes. Can, can I say this? And this, uh, not to be controversial at all or not to, like, put anything down. I don't know how much money they're putting into that side of the thing, the concert side. My question, I'll just pose this as a question. Like, could that money be better spent? Because... Mm. When you have all the other things figured out, like when you have when you have all the bathrooms and all the suites and all the bleachers and all everything's figured out, and it's like you want to add something on top of that, sure, let's add concerts. But when you don't have all that stuff met, should we should we be spending more money on a concert? Hmm. I, I did see someone. I don't know. I, I believe it was Corey Wong. I think that performed recently. 
And my guess is because he is a disc golf fan and because he has done stuff with the disc golf pro tour and Jomez and all that stuff, my guess is like, he probably didn't charge the disc golf pro. He might not even charge them anything. Yeah. Honestly, who knows? But someone did like find what his rates were. And I think it was like something along the lines of like $30,000 for, Jeez. um, an event or whatever. Like if we're paying, if, if the disc golf pro tour is paying $30,000, for Corey Wong to do a performance in front of however many fans showed up, I don't know if that money could have been spent better elsewhere. No, that's because a great like point. I said, there are things there are things as like when spectators come to the event that aren't there yet. And I think getting those all, you know, dotting all those I's and crossing all those T's need to be done before money goes elsewhere. My guess is Corey Wong probably did it pro bono. He yeah. just did it as a, you know, as well, a, he's the nice he's the director. Gesture. He's the director of music, or um, someone actually put. Yeah, I think director of music is his technical title for the pro tour. Like he's the one who's kind of like the heck is that? He's like heading up these concerts. What? In a way. Yeah, you didn't see that announcement. We talked about oh. it on the show. Yeah, he's like he's the one what? that's like somewhat heading up the director concert of music. I think that's what he's. I'll find him. Corey Wong, pro tour. That's wild. Uh, pro that's tour. A- Limited okay, concert so th- series. But, Corey Wong is okay. disc golf first- pro tour music director. What? What does that mean? I think he's like. I think he's like helping them get these things set up. Outside of the okay, so he's not doing like the music in like the production of no the, the disc golf. Network. No, I think it's more so like I guess from what I understand, he's more like the concert director. I guess would be a better title i don't think for he's a dis- for a disc golf company yeah i don't think he's doing the actual like music <laughs> producing no i mean it's wild i but i the idea behind it i like i like the idea behind it if that makes sense but i get what you're saying is like there's a time to well, implement that love live then that's what live that's what lives kind of doing with their yeah. tours like making it kind of like a festival thing but but like i think uh, disc golf we'll, we'll fits go, that a lot better than golf though i'll say that i think disc no golf's one's showing already, up to those things though hunter hunter no golf, one's showing up to those that's things golf disc golf if you had a, if you had a disc golf tournament in the middle no, of a have festival you seen, have you seen the videos that oh oh no the concert yeah yeah, yeah 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 no i'm saying that's the right you're not the mind track but that's step 10 we skipped steps one through eight okay. to get there if that makes sense okay you see what I'm saying? saying? Like, it's not like you're not. Well, you I, also I have you also have getting, Kevin Jones you, opening for a like slow. What what type of music? Like almost folk well, artist? Yeah, I don't like know, but Kevin classical. Almost. Kevin Jones's song was actually kind of fire. Yeah, that no, song that's great. Yeah, kind of fire. Yeah, and like two just my point. That, but other. they they didn't seem like they lined up the two types of music very well. I no, can find I the guy's name my again. Point, but it's just something my point is you're you're not getting someone to buy a ticket to the disc golf pro tour because x artist is performing and you get access to that artist no i think it's, it, it, it would be another their, value add to a long list of value adds that's only happening when you're when you're bringing in like uh when you're bringing in an artist that's like a massive artist to where like, then you're going to get random people that might be on the fence of going to a disc golf tournament to be like Oh yeah, I definitely want to go see Jack Johnson perform. Well, that's what their idea like, was I'll- when they announced it was the the tickets to the concert are being sold to the community and then if you have a ticket to the event, you get a discounted ticket to the concert. So their whole their hope was to get community the community drawn into the concert 
and then I see drawn into the a, event. You just have to. My question, to, if that's the goal, pay the crap. You just have to pay the crap ton to get one of those like big performers well, out there. Well, my question and is, I if, think a if lot the goal, of festivals aren't very profitable. Yeah, well, like if the goal is to get like the, the community fail. involved in the community to the pro tour event, I think it goes back to a question you posed a few question, a few episodes ago, of like, could they have spent that same money on like radio ads, a billboard, you know, five miles from the course, put something in the local newspaper. We just lost Brody's camera. Oh, he's back. Okay, put something in the local newspaper. What like local local advertising to a sense in like two three weeks leading up to the event, like. If can the goal I, is to get something? the community in, would that draw more people than a concert series? Can I pose something? Yeah. You go to a bunch of schools, okay, and you don't you don't do like you don't do these like after school like hey if you guys want to learn about disc golf like hang out after school you you go to these schools and you get them to do some sort of like assembly. Pizza right? party of yeah. where they're they're bringing their no what no not what are we talking about assembly where they're immediate bringing kids are wrong, excited hey what's wrong with the pizza party you say pizza party free disc golf free pizza disc golf boom every kid's there no you you're doing something in I mean, school when when the kids are actually there so like you're either saying like hey we're gonna we're gonna uh, we'll help your your uh, PE teachers out yeah and we'll teach your students disc golf so you have kids coming through. And you give every kid a free ticket to the Disc Golf Pro Tour event that's in the town. Now, if the kid wants to go and his parents are going to go with him, like his parents have to buy tickets, right? And yeah. you can sell those tickets at, at the door, whatever. There's no door, but you can sell them at the actual event, which I don't know if they're actually doing right now. I think they need to do that too. I think they need to do it to where you can just show up. I think you already have to have tickets before you can go. I don't think they're selling tickets at the events. Like whenever I've driven into these events, I don't see anywhere where you can buy tickets. Yeah. That's a, that'd be an interesting one to look into. I might, that'd, so, that'd be a problem. Yeah. Cause like, but, what, but what if, if you, you hit up, up? Yeah. If, if you hit up like four or five different schools, let's just say, and you got in, you got the physical, you know, you got into the PE, you started doing like trick shots with the disc, started throwing like skipping it off the ground and having it go into the basket, getting the kids excited, yada, yada, yada. They, and then you get like a fraction of those kids to come out. Like, I mean, I don't even know if that's even going to cost any money. That's just going to cost some time. Yeah. Um, I think then, I don't know, someone, I don't know. At the same time, like I think a lot of these events have just been selling out too. Uh, so then it's like, uh, well, it, it, what are we, another what are we, another issue is like we don't like there's not much more space. It's a venue selection. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a so venue. So what are we selection. even talking about? They're not. They're not trying to. They're not trying. Yeah. They're not struggling selling out these venues. So all right, let's go on to the next one. We're, well, that's we're the, the going venue selection whole thing. You, yeah. you need if if selling out a a course or event is a 400 person gallery following lead card we need to go to a course that can support 10 times that. Yeah. Like there, yeah, every, every thousand. pro tour event, you should be able to have two, three, 4,000 people walk, walking with lead card. That should be a standard. We definitely don't. Yeah. We definitely, we definitely are in the stage right now where we don't want to turn anyone away. Yeah, exactly. Like if you want to pay to come watch disc golf, we shouldn't be like, ah, sorry. Yeah. We're out. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, cl- 
Clara's dad says, this is, I, I think this is fascinating and I'm really curious to see what you guys have to say on this. Okay. Is throwing, is throwing a bad shot in the water, litter, littering slash finable. If yes, how many counts slash fines do you have on film? What would you do if charged? If no, how is it different than throwing a large McDonald's cup in a lake? I think this is a fascinating question. I guess it's similar to is fishing when you lose a lure littering. I would say it's actually more similar probably to like golfing if you hit a golf ball into the water. Well, that's fair too. But I think it's really the the whole idea is the same. Uh, well, I guess fishing a lot of times they try to make like no, biodegradable lures different. and stuff, but how? But I, well, that I have no idea. Well, because people actually go into lakes to get golf balls out. So, like if you went to the ocean and you just start blasting golf balls into the ocean, yeah, absolutely. sure. Yeah. If you went to some random lake that golf course is nowhere near and you start hitting golf balls into the lake, sure. I think those are probably both really bad things to do and you probably shouldn't do it. But when you're hitting a golf ball into a lake or river or you're throwing a frisbee into a lake or whatever near a course, one, I think a lot of people go in and get it themselves if they can. And if they can't, a lot of these places that I've gone to, they have like divers and stuff that like eventually at a certain point in time, they go in and pick up and like off they do that a lot you see some really really cool photos of people like cleaning out the bottom of the lakes and stuff of where they just have like these ginormous bags of golf balls and i think we've seen the same thing with disc golf too where someone will go in with a snorkel or a scuba or whatever it is and just get all these discs so i think when it comes to like playing on a course and you have like eagles crossing is a perfect example right there's a lot of water out there my guess is eventually they'll probably have someone go in and clean out. I think all those they, discs. I feel like they said they rake it. I could be completely wrong here. I want to say they rake them every day at Eagles Crossing. That's, I could be completely wrong wild, there. Also, but I wouldn't be surprised. They definitely with, rake with them the very frequently. Because I threw a disc in the water and someone was like, oh, you'll get that back for sure. They rake, they rake these things all the time. So, but yeah. that kind of goes what you were saying. But I mean, like the local courses around here, Independence Park has water, and the you're not allowed to go in the water to retrieve a disc. But the Parks and Rec Department rakes the lake, the like common areas. Disc go in, gets them all out, and calls people and be like, "Hey, we got it at the Parks and Rec Department. Come up and grab it." Uh, yeah. on no other place near here really has water other than like a creek bed. But you go in and get that. Um, but I mean, a lot of courses like you, it, I I think you make a good point there, like. If I were to just show up to Smith Mountain Lake, which is just like a the big lake around here, 45 minutes away, no mm-hmm. disc golf course, and I were to just chuck a disc in, like, yeah, that's 100% littering. But if you're on a disc golf course and a disc goes in and you can, A, you can grab it out. If not, it's a common thing because we're all playing to where most of these courses either allow someone from the club to go in and dive or mm-hmm. have someone who rakes for them or allow someone to like rake. And does it get up every disc? No. But it's a similar thing of, you know, the intent isn't you're throwing a disc in the water to leave it forever. The intent is you're trying to make it to a hole and you lost it in the water and someone will come and, come and grab it eventually. Now, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if in the future more like biodegradable or biodegradable, I guess, is it's got to be the right word. But like something that like 
you know, if it spends X amount of time in water can dissolve or whatever. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if like that started to happen in disc golf. I just don't know how it would affect the actual plastic quality of the disc, but like I could see like that being a thing that caught on. Um, but for the most part, I think a lot of the courses just have people that retrieve pretty much is every disc that goes in the water. And I think too, like some of these courses, like Memorial, for example, like that big lake, there's nothing alive in that lake. Like there's nothing living in that lake. It's impossible. <laughs> Why well, is it impossible? Like, lake is taught. Lake is toxic. Oh, oh, yeah. The amount of goose poop in that lake, there is no way anything can survive it. <laughs> so, so, so essentially, you're throwing a disc in a pool. Like yeah. you're not throwing a disc in a. I think it gets. I think it gets trickier when you start like having to talk about courses that are like in natural natural or national parks or in kind of these nice uh you know environmental areas and you're throwing discs into those lakes and stuff and ponds. I think that's where it gets a little trickier than you know some of the courses that we play on tour or simply like it's there's just nothing in that lake. So it's yeah. not like you're ruining you know some sort of fish habitat or anything like that yeah because that's what there's um, a there's a course like an hour and a half away in charlottesville just outside charlottesville called walnut creek and it's on in like a gorgeous park and it has a really nice lake that you throw over a few times we did our, our monthly match last month there and um oh heck yeah they have one of my friends actually it's josh from overthrow if you're a fan of overthrow uh he used to have permission from the park to go out there and dive and he would collect hundreds and hundreds of discs from from the bottom there. And I think now someone in the in the local club does it. But I think that's like the common thing is someone's an approved yeah, diver or an approved raker and just gets them out. But yeah, I mean, if you just walk up to a random lake and you're like, oh, I want to chuck it from here to the other side and see if I can do it. And it goes in the water and you just leave it forever. I think that's the same as just chucking a water bottle in the lake. Yeah, you're pretty much a scumbag. All yeah. Right. Aaron... Aaron wants to know what's worse. Um, let me get, I'm going to get Silas. You're going to go first on here. Your oh, opinion. Boy. Oh, heck yeah. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> Silas, Silas is, for those that don't know, Silas is on the, uh, can I get to 900 rated train? Heck yeah. Um, he's, he's on the path. Has that started yet? Has the training start yet? Not, not yet. Not mm-hmm. yet. I need a, I need a set of baseline. I need to, wait, I need to get started. Have it officially. You need to work on okay. Well, you need to work on putting. That's something that you can start immediately. Hey, I I trained like, last night. He was on fire at our weekly last night. Last night I drained like a uh what was it like sixty feet? Yeah. Sixty footer. It's pretty it's pretty electric, but it was good. Well if you get if you get like yeah, if you get decent enough like inside the circle putting you will be 900 rated it's, in no time. It's definitely um, gotten better. I think now what's lacking is my distance. Mm. Right, it's just not. No. It's just not quite there. That's, it's consistency. Distance with putting. No, distance with putting. No, just just driving. I'm telling you right now, though, distance. Like people that are like, oh, all I need to do to get better is like be able to throw. You don't. That's not what's stopping you from being better. I'm telling you right now, Silas. Focus on putting. And focus on consistency off the tee. If you can throw, if you can throw a consistent two fifty to three hundred foot shot, that you know where it's going to land, you can be well over nine hundred. Yeah, and you can hit your putts inside like twenty feet. You're going to be like nine fifty rated. You're like really easily. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent easily. Yeah. Yeah. 
We might have to put that to the test. Yeah, if you get a shot that's, that that's, every time 300 feet, you know where it's going, and you're yeah. hitting inside 25 feet, Silas, you could probably win a local open there, tournament. Silas, next time I come up there, I will play, I will play uh, Fallen Creek Reds. Okay. Okay? And I will not... If I throw, I will not throw a shot over 250 feet. Okay. And you'll be and we'll see what I should do at Athens. So we'll just see what my rating would be. Okay. So like if I threw a shot, if I throw a shot 275, yeah. it just comes back 25 feet to 250 on that same line. So I'll try to, I'll, I'll obviously try to do my best to not throw over 250. But if it ends up going like 270, 280, it yeah. just comes back to 250, to 250 on that line. And we'll see what I shoot at okay. Fallen Creek. How many, how many holes can I birdie out there? Oh, that's what I'm trying to. I'm going to look at. Um, that's the XL layout. Let me look at what red. Okay, red layout, 900. How many holes are under 250? So the red layout, you, oh, just, have yeah, to shoot, you just have to shoot two under to shoot 900 rated at on the red. Mm. And Brody okay, shot let me see. 19 under. I, I was going to say, I've, I feel like I've... 18 under. I feel like I've shot... Um, so hole one, I can birdie. Hole two, I can birdie. Hole three, I can birdie. Hole four, I can birdie. Hole five, I can birdie. Hole six, I can birdie. Hole seven, I can birdie. Hole eight, I can birdie. Hole nine, I can birdie. Hole 10, I can birdie. Hole 11 will be tough. You only got to get two. You only got to get two. <laughs> two, two, two. 250 would put me at 70 feet. Mm. on 11 so that's tough hole 12 i can birdie hole 13 i can birdie hole 14 i can birdie hole 15 i can birdie hole 16 i can birdie hole 17 i can, oh, I can birdie. wait hole 16 hole 18 I can... oh par six, four. 16 is a par four yeah. yeah 480 feet par four yeah so so pretty much I, I you, you, par four. if you went perfect pretty much i can shoot pretty much i can shoot 16 or 17 under yeah if you went like perfect like you didn't mess it up yeah if i didn't mess it and up that's only man. throwing 250 you throw farther than 250 yeah so and I only have to get I only have to get two of those holes, Silas. And then Dang. three everything else. That All puts right. it in perspective, Silas. Yeah. You need to play for a lot more pars. You're at a point I think that I've, I was at yeah. my like freshman or sophomore year in, in disc golf, where our like disc golf coach, he was like talk with different players about different things they needed to work on. And with me, my problem was I think it's a similar thing you're doing right now, was I would look at a hole and I knew my best shot could birdie it for me. And yeah. so I would try to birdie it. Yeah. But he was like, by doing that, you're bogeying it way more than you're birdieing it. Mm. Versus if you just threw the shot you're consistent with and got to like 70 feet, 80 feet, then just laid up and took a three. Like he told me, you got to play par golf. And so I did that. I played par golf and then I'd find birdies here and there when I could get them. And I started shooting under par when I was shooting like way over par. And then eventually he, he like sat me down. He was like, all right, stop playing par golf. Like you need to get aggressive again. And that's when that's when yeah. my game like really took off because then I was like already had the mindset that helped me with my scrambling of knowing how to play par golf when I needed to, and yeah. then knowing when to birdie. Now yeah, all of that stylish. all of that's gone for me now, but there yeah. was a point where you know it made <laughs> sense. Yeah, Silas, you are in the stage that I was in. I I say like a year and a little bit ago of where I was trying to shoot the best score possible like i was going into a tournament being like how can i play these holes to give me the, the best chance to shoot well yeah and uh like hunter was saying like i'm now transitioning to like how do i have to play this tournament to win and those two things are very very different of where 
you know, there might be, this is a perfect example. One of the holes on Beaver State Fling is 400 feet, and it's a par three onto a very, very small island. If you play that hole for par, it's very easy. You throw like a 350-foot shot, short, and then you just chip up on the island and take your par. But if you're trying to win the tournament, you have to play that hole to birdie it. Right. And so you're throwing this shot to try, you know, you're throwing a 400-foot shot to try to land on something smaller than circle one. And how you play that hole, I think, has, you know, obviously depends uh, depends on where you are in your game. Yeah. And I think where you are in your game right now is you look at a hole like that and you've got to be like, all right, what's the easiest way of me of parring this? Because my chances of birding this are very small. And you need to look at those holes like that. And then you need to look at holes that are, you know, um, let's say hole one on Fallen Creek Reds, right? Where it's yeah. just that little hyzer forehand off to the right. Yeah. There's no reason not to try to birdie that hole. Right. Because there's there's not like a gap you're trying to hit. There's nothing. Yeah, there's no problem open. of you trying. Yeah. So that one, yes, be aggressive and try to park it. There's no reason not to. But there's other holes where you might try to be like, well, if I throw this really great shot, I'm going to have only 100 feet in and be able to get birdie on it. And it's like, well, no, maybe you should just throw like an easy 200 foot shot to give yourself another 200 foot shot. So that way you take bogey out of play. So I think that's the biggest misconception to a lot of people. When I hear about them being like, well, I want to get better at disc golf. I just need to be a throw farther. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to be able to putt well inside of like 25 feet. And you need to be able to get up and down more than you don't inside of 200 feet. Mm -hmm. And if you do those two things, you will start to see your score just drop, drop, drop. Yeah. Have throw fingers. Yeah, I definitely right. feel to like the, the uh, uh, I definitely feel like the puttins is getting there. Getting, that's what you need, getting man. More, getting more okay. confident with it. So Okay, well let's hear let's hear your guys' thoughts on this. What this is from Aaron. He wants to know what's worse, lots of rain with not much wind or lots of wind with no rain. Um, oh, I'll go that's first. easy. That is so easy. I'll take I'll take wind over rain any day. What? Not even close. Not even close. Wind over rain. No, I'm doing it's not that. even close. Why? What makes wind sucks? How much? So yeah, we're talking how, like a we're fast? talking a lot of rain, like umbrellas, pointless like 20, rain. No, 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 like Beaver State thing of where it's it's you you have to have an umbrella and you have to have multiple towels. I think I'd rather play in. I think I'd rather play in rain. I'd rather play in rain. I think rain's a mindset game, whereas wind, it's like actually going to affect you. Rain, you can oh, go. Oh, you're in. going over like score. Well, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not going to enjoy either. I'm just thinking I'd no, rather show see, up. I will still see nothing. Nothing annoys me more than having to clean my disc every five seconds. Mm. Like I, I, if we're talking about if we're talking about practice, oh my gosh, like rain is so annoying because what I throw five practice shots and now I have yeah. now I'm spending two minutes practice, getting all yeah. the mud off my disc. Practice or casual the, round, I'd like, rather rather do wind for yeah. sure. I'm thinking tournament. Tournament, yeah, I'm choosing rain. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking score wise. Score wise, I'm choosing rain. Oh, all day. even 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 tournament. Like I don't need a caddy when it's windy. I need a caddy when it's rainy, or it becomes uh, so much. More I just fun. know, like, if it's raining out, I can count out like half the field. Because they're just not going to mentally show up whenever, whatever tournament I'm showing to. Because it's like, if you go into a rain round knowing, hey, this is going to suck, and you just accept that before you get to the first tee, really won't be that bad. 
Like if you if you make your expectation, oh, what you about still have to, you still have to dry your discs? Yeah, but if you expect it to be bad. way worse than it's gonna be, and you get out there, you're like, oh, this really isn't nowhere near as bad as I thought. And you can just like, I just don't like I just get don't your like way through the round versus like the time. wind. Wind, you you might just not know where a disc is gonna land. Here's an idea. All right, what if you had a disc dryer built into a disc golf cart? How to dry all the discs? You just have airflow. So it's just like one one dryer, like one slot. You put one disc it's in. Like a, yeah. It's like the dehydration machine. What? What is that? Like when you dehydrate fruit, like when you or something. Oh yeah, 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 you yeah. Put like you put yeah or jerky. You put like a and it like sucks all the stuff out and yeah. becomes a banana. Would that? I would the, pay. I would pay two hundred and fifty dollars for that. <laughs> I mean, there we go. There we go. No, legitimate. Like if. if if there was if there was something where I could pick up my wet muddy disc and I put it in something and it like it first like washes it so it just like somehow shoots a bunch of water on it gets all the mud off and yeah. sucks all the water off and then it like beeps and like I know my disc is done I pull it out and it's I would pay two hundred and fifty dollars for that that could be no the next, problem next biggest disc golf technology advancement right there there you go I I I despise getting mud and water off my desk despite i just hate how long it takes someone right, said a 18 got, an 18 volt heat gun would work there we go he's like bring it out just, and my melt your disc, gonna take? but i mean it's gonna be great when it's done oh here's some a two-sided squeegee that you slide your disc through have y'all ever seen the um, there used to be that product i don't know if it's still out there or not but it was a pouch that was also a towel i think it was literally called a touch I'm pretty positive and you just slid the disc in and then like as you got it out you like used your hands on the outside of the pouch to like move it out and it was supposed to be like a towel that just went around your disc and got the whole thing done yeah. so all you did was put it in push it out it's done i feel like that I, that would get really fucked up though probably i never I, used it i had i saw it good idea i i had two towels on my uh i had two towels on my bag and so I'd I'd have my hand in one towel on the disc and my hand on the other towel cleaning. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. You don't need to have any crazy invention. That's all you need. Yeah. Okay. I got the job done. Donnie Lucas, last one I got here. Would you rather play with a group of trash talkers or a group that never talks? Trash talkers. I'm talker. assuming 100%. I'm, assu- I'm assuming this is a cash this has to be a casual round. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. A group with a group that never talks is way worse. Period. To play Why? With. It gets it, a, it gets way more in my head. You want tr- you want trash talkers during a during a, a professional round? Yeah, I think like I want. Would, it. I, I don't think that's I don't even think that's illegal. I make the round way more fun. People who just don't talk, no. like it, just gets in my head because like I sit down, I'm like, all right. Like that's way more intimidating to me than if someone's like. I don't know. I've I've had rounds like Talking that though, where it's like where, but you gotta think too. Like things things are changing. I think it's also different when you're talking about your casual round or not casual, but you're talking about like a local. Person. You're showing up to an event, yeah, because it's you and three people, and that's yeah. It. Where on the pro tour, obviously you got caddies, you've got other, um, you know, you got plus ones, if you will. You've got camera people, disc golf pro tour people. You got spectators. You got all that stuff. I could totally see how if it's like you're at your local flex start 
and it's you and three people yeah and no one's talking yeah i've been on those cars be like, it's so awkward that could be that could be stupid yeah, it's not, the, it'd be but like then, a three hour round and it feels like wait, it took seven how, hours but how is it not more awkward where like you throw your first tee shot and you shank it into a tree and someone's like you're trash, kid. Because that's funny. And and I'm you, laughing immediately. You turn around and they're on your car. Like that's amazing. I'm laughing immediately at that. No. Yeah. Like I, if I'm getting trash talked, I can laugh. I don't at myself. think you're laughing. Knowing you, I think you would. You would be getting so pissed. Is it? Is it someone you if know someone, or just some random person? No. The it's three random people. No. If someone, like, it's Trevor, random people. If someone's just coming after me, like saying stuff that just like isn't funny isn't even attempting to be funny like it's just straight mean yes that's what trash talkers are no, trash, trash talk no we're not trash talking talk hilarious hey we are not talking about you and no. trevor just chatting it up no i'm saying trash talk yeah, in general trash is funny talking like, is not if you, hilarious if you're creative no, enough trash what? talk is funny yes you gotta put time into it well like a good trash talker is funny like there's no way not, you get... not when they are trash talking you though. Yeah, like, that, the whole point of trash I get trash talking, talking basketball all the time, and it was funny every time. Because they were probably bad. They were probably bad trash talkers. Maybe, but like I, I very good I don't, trash talker. I don't know the time funny. where it's, it's annoying. That's the whole point of it. Is they get inside your head. Yeah. A good trash talker is inside your head. But, good, but I, a good trash maybe I've never met a good like, trash talker. <laughs> maybe I've never met a good trash talker. Cause like I can get some people to get under my skin, but I don't. I don't think it's gonna like ruin my game. There's no way if Carl it's gonna Malone, make my game more fun. Because like if nothing no else, it's gonna make me care more. If if no one's talking, I'm eventually just gonna like internally trash talk myself into sucking. If it's you, just, if it's just me the, and my thoughts. Have you heard the famous line that Jordan said to Carl Malone? I don't when know. they were playing in the finals. I'm not sure. And Carl Malone, Carl Malone was on the free throw line late in the game. I don't know what game it was, but like the game was close and it was Sunday of the NBA finals. And Jordan literally, before he took his, takes his free throw, says, The mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday. That's funny. That. Like, like, that's funny. That's the mail. Carl Malone is the mailman. Yeah. That's his nickname. That's the mailman. funny. That's, that's legendary. There's no way Carl Malone looked at him and started smiling and laughing and be like, ha that's a good one, Jordan. Like, that is a good one. No like, way. you got, like, yeah, there's no way not, around it. He's not laughing oh, at that. Pippen. You got to respect it. it. If someone comes up with Scottie a good Pippen. one, you got to respect Apologies. it. Like, Lasagna fixed me. It was Scotty Pippen. Yeah, I'm saying a good trash talker like, is that's not funny. someone. That's funny. If someone says that to me, I don't care. I'm that laughing would immediately. Be I'm going, funny all if all you right. were that person no. about to make yeah, a free throw. Yeah, because then I immediately, I immediately, I'm like, all right, funny. time to prove them wrong. Like now, I have a chip on my shoulder. You wouldn't be laughing if everyone's but, dead, saying they're dead the silent. Point. Like, see, that you just said better. is the whole point. The whole point of you being like, all right, now I'm going to prove that. Like the point of trash talking, like when you when we were playing, that's Ultimate way Frisbee, better than example. being that's way better than being silent. I'm hear gonna play out. better Hold with on. trash talkers. Hold on, hear me out. When we were playing Ultimate Frisbee and we knew someone couldn't throw a forehand and they only could throw a backhand, we would literally yell, "He doesn't have a forehand. He won't throw a forehand. He can't throw a forehand." And exactly what you just said is what we try to get into other people's heads of being like, "Oh, you don't think I have a forehand?" And we'd make people throw those the throw that they're not good at. 
And a lot of times it didn't work. Well, that's and different that than I'm going to make like, a free throw. Like, that's a little bit different. No, because now you're not thinking about making the free throw. You are now thinking, like, I'm going to show this guy that I will deliver on Sunday. Regardless, that's back. still more that's fun. That's still more fun than everyone just dead silent the entire round. Okay, that's fine. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah, my whole point, though, more is good trash talking doesn't make you want to smile and laugh. I would that my my, my immediate point. reaction would be that's not <laughs> good trash talking. Even if like going on in my head is like, all right, let's do this. Okay. On the outside, we need to get, like, all right, that's the response. Well, we need that's to get just your reaction. I said it would make me we smile. We need to get laugh. Hunter in. We need to get Hunter to a serious like three on three basketball game and have like have like a plant trash talker. The bad yeah. part with that really, is like good. I'm not good enough at basketball right now. Like you. you the key with trash talk is like you need to feel like you can do something to like get trash talk and get under your skin. Cause like basketball, like if you're like shoot it, you suck. I'd be like, I know I suck. Like you're a hundred percent right right now. I can't shoot. It. I can't prove that. You need something that you feel like you can prove. I know, but like trash talking is like also like personal. Like they find out something about oh, you. Yeah. Now that's where and- it gets real electric. Like when the, there was a crowd, um, college basketball, one of the crowds, the school got on them they like would every game before the game deep dive in their like people's like Facebook histories and stuff and start chanting their like ex-girlfriend's name or like ask yeah. them like, why'd you cheat on so-and-so? And they like be chanting it while they're at the free throw line. Yeah, my like, guess is those people weren't smiling being like, ha well, that's, that's a good one. That's beyond they're trash probably talk. Pissed. That's, that's not. No, that is good trash oh, talk. That's trash that's talk. Good trash but that's, talk. Like, that's a whole different level of trash talk. It is a, no, it but is that a is level what, above. Hunter, but. that is what trash talking is, though. Trash talking is, I think you have this idea. No, there's two different levels. Like, there's two different hey, levels. Man, there's nice a, the mailman like, doesn't deliver on Sunday. Funny. Why'd you cheat no, on? Why'd you cheat that's on? That's not funny, though, if you're stylus. the mailman, though. No, that's still fun. Like, that's a funny one. Versus why'd you cheat on someone? Like, that's not even trash talk at that point. That wasn't even creative. That's just like, okay, now we're just trying to have a personal conversation. Like, I feel like trash talk comes after a point in your game where, like, someone can prove you wrong. If it's just like, no, your mom's no, dead, that's messed up. That's not trash talk. There's no, yeah. the thing is, there's no limits to trash talking, though. There's literally no limit. No, Anything but I think there's like two, the when someone says trash talk, you're not thinking of the latter. You're thinking of the mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday or like throw no, the forehand here. You can't. Whatever you, you're thinking of whatever you can. The whole reason trash talking exists is to try to get, uh, to get your opponent or get the team that you're rooting against to get them out of their element, to get them to do something that they naturally or uh, normally wouldn't do. That's the whole point of trash talk. Yeah. The point of trash talk. Now, obviously, like friendly banter, I think is what you're kind of going off of, of where if I'm doing a video with you guys, like I'm not ever in my head being like, hey, I need to say something to really try to get Hunter to miss this putt. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like if you make the putt or you don't make the putt, it doesn't really matter that much. But like that's that's the whole thing with trash talk is you're like trying to get into their head. So when you say something like you're just doing whatever you can to make them do something that they don't. But I'm saying when the question was posed originally trash talk, like we were, I think we were all in the same brainwave of like throw the forehand here. You won't no guts. You won't do it. Mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday. Like that type of like trying to get them to do something game wise, not showing up being like, Oh, you're fat and ugly and you suck at life. You little piece of crap. I was just, like that's not trash talk at that just, point. I was thinking of really just having. That's what I'm saying. That. Like I was, 
I, I was literally just thinking of like three people being on my card that were just constantly trash talking me the entire time. Like I personally probably would not enjoy that round as much as me just three people that yeah. It's not well, just one person too. It's it's no, three yeah, people. I know, but if you're, I think a big part too is like if you're if you're saying a quiet card at a setting like a pro tour, like Brody was saying, yeah, that's probably almost preferred in a lot of ways. But a quiet card when you're four hours in the woods and you're only people you're going to see are the people <laughs> on your card. Like, I mean, I've played on those cards. I haven't played on a card where three people that are trash talking me nonstop. I'll give you that. <laughs> I have not done that. But I played on a card where no one said anything the entire round. And it is the most awkward, just like tense round ever to where like you feel like you ran a marathon after because it's just like tension in the room the entire time. And like you can't be the guy that's like, so like, uh, what'd you guys eat for lunch, man? Like no one wants to break it. I want, There's no way to like bring anything want, up. It's just the most awkward round of all time. <laughs> I want to. I want you to play with someone that gives you one that like when they ask you what you shot, like you know after the whole everyone's like, all right, what'd you get? I want someone. I want you to play with someone that always adds one to your score. So like if you double bogey to par four and got six, they're like, okay, Hunter, what'd you get there? You got seven. And you're like, oh, no, I got a six. And they're like, that's some mental and warfare they, right there. <laughs> and they go, they go, oh wow, man. They go, oh wow, man. Good job. Literally, next <laughs> hole, you get you bogey a part three. Hundred, was that a five? You're like four. You're like, oh wow, that's way better than I thought you would have done. And then it's literally every single time, throw in a little jab at your score. Oh man, that'd be a good one. All right, that's all I got on Twitter. Any uh, first in the chat? Um, Anyone? Uh, I thought those were some pretty good Twitter. Those are. Uh, those, those yeah. Great yeah, those are well thought out for sure. Nothing. Did we uh Is the chat silent? Did we did we catch it? Did we have anything else to talk about, Hunter? Oh I don't think so. No, that was it. I think we that hit everything. Because right? I we for I almost forgot the Coriolis one, but we brought that up. Yeah, the Coriolis one is wild. Yeah. Nuts. I just, I just don't think you've ever been trash talked. I don't think like, I, I will say I've never I've never like, had I've never had a personal attack by from trash talk. I've had things come after my like game, the, what I'm wearing, stuff like that. But like all that stuff's real easy, just like let it roll off. But I guess there hasn't been that yeah, much no, of like when I played AAU, for instance, we were on like U thirteen. So like no one even had Facebook. Like there's no way to find out who my like I didn't even have an ex-girlfriend, but there would have been no way to find out if who I, she was if I did. Have I ever told you about the left, right, left? Have I ever ex- talked about that? Of how like uh, at Ultimate Frisbee games, they would literally every time I took a step with my left foot say left, and every time I took a step with my right foot say right. Have I had told that story? I feel like you have. I don't it know sounds vaguely familiar, but, but just tell it while Silas is looking for some topics. Well, essentially, that's a, that's all the story is. Oh. It's not really much of a story, but it's like you just have the entire crowd when you're running or doing whatever. There's like left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, and eventually, like you realize what they're doing, and you're like, oh wow, they're doing it every single time I take a step, and it does at the beginning make you think like, <laughs> should, like should I start walking over here because they're going to start yelling left, right, left, right. That's funny. So it's a it's something that can probably only happen when uh you're at like a much smaller venue. Yeah. Cuz I went to like a Texas I went to like a Texas Rangers game one time. There was no one in the crowd. 
and I literally could yell whatever I wanted to. And the left, the the person left field heard exactly what I was yelling. <laughs> like there was, and I I wasn't even like right up against the dugout or right up against. I, I was pretty far up. I was probably like in the second section or something up yeah. there. But like there was no, it was dead quiet in there. So I could literally yell whatever I wanted to, and that guy knew exactly I was talking to him. So that's, that's yeah. Um, Sas, what do we got? We got anything? Um, yeah. Someone says, are one speed disc one of those old school trends that uh, is coming back in style? Hunter would know. One speed discs? Yeah. Well, I think it's a one speed. It's like disc. a lid. It's like a lid. Essentially. I mean, I guess, yes, technically. Uh, originally, the whole idea behind it, from what I understand, is like fastbacks and stuff like that. Like, it was what people were used to throwing. And so then you roll that into disc golf and you make something that's used to what people are used to, like, or people are used to. They're going to like that. And you just make it in like a disc golf plastic and like a little bit smaller. Uh, I think it's coming back to a certain extent a lot because like the meme culture around the polecat. And the yeah. Halo Polecat and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then also you had the like Hydrogen by Loft or Luft, however you say their name, where they were advertising like a slow putter, all of that, like the Berg. Uh, I don't know if the I Berg's technically a one speed. By them. They yeah. have a sponsored, they have a sponsored on player on tour. Luft or Loft? I think they have a sponsored player on tour. I'm trying to think of who it is. It might be that Thomas guy. I don't Thomas, know. Thomas Heigenstein? I don't know. Fascinating. Nice. All right. I saw someone with like a big aloof thing on the back of their shirt. Like, I just oh, saw okay. a comment that I think is a, a good point. Sorry, so I also do have the chat pulled up over here. <laughs> Not to be cheating on you. Uh, Danny Hollis said, the fact that match play will have more filming than the Beaver State Fling is an atrocity. Dude, I was getting there. Right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just saw I that was, come up and I was like, that's was a great there. point. The Silver Series filming is fascinating to me, mainly because the Pro Tour just we talked about it in grip locks so i won't go into it too much but the pro tour just can't turn it around as fast as like the industry standard so like i heard i didn't watch round two and i heard a lot of people didn't watch round two because the only way to watch it was post-produced but by the time post-produced round two came out the final round of fpo was live and then basically right after that the final round of mpo went live and so like i wanted to watch the final round live i watched the final round of fpo live there wasn't a lot of time for me to watch round two mpo and round one MPO didn't even come out for me on the East Coast until like the morning of Sunday before round three was going to go live. So it was like very tight to squeeze that much disc golf in before the round went live. So a lot of people just didn't even watch it. It was wild. Brody, Kirby Snyder I did, I did. is sponsored by Loft. Louvre. Kirby Snyder. Oh, that's he, who it is. They okay. said he's from All Washington right. and played Portland. Okay. That's who it was then. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I saw his name on the leaderboard. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. That's um, cool that they sponsor someone. Yeah. I wonder if he has to throw that driver. I need to ask him. Like, yeah, you gotta ask that. I gotta. I gotta. <laughs> I'm curious. I will I say I gave like, it to. Bro, um, I gave one of the ones they sent us to Steph Curry, Stephen Curry, who uh, I think he actually just. I think he just graduated and moved back to Pennsylvania. But anyways, when he was here and he was like in love with the thing, he was like, "I can throw this so much farther." Like he, he was in love with it. Um. Or back backhand and forehand? I think he was throwing it both. Yeah, like he was getting. I think he was getting like some hyzer flips with it on his forehand because he has a pretty strong forehand. And he was saying that he was just throwing it farther than anything forehand. else. So I I don't know. It's crazy. Um, I will. Add, 
is there any better feeling than going back to a course that you haven't played in a while? And like, obviously it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you aren't practicing, but this is like in the, with the thought that you have been practicing and gotten better. Is there any better feeling than going to that course and playing it and being like, Oh my God, these gaps are way bigger than I last remember. Or like a hole where you're like, I had to throw this as hard as I could to even get up there. And now I can just throw a hyzer to it. That might be the best feeling in disc golf. It's it's got to be up there. Yeah, my only real experience with that because like I've gotten worse in disc golf over the past few years, I would say as a collective <laughs> whole. But like when I was first getting in disc golf, there was a few courses that I went to, and then I would come back, and it was it wasn't necessarily the gap hitting for me, but like my distance, I would be like playing my practice round, and I remember oh this was like my Thunderbird or T Bird or whatever disc, yeah. and I, and I would like self and throw it. And that thing would like go way past the basket or like I would think this hole isn't reachable. And then I'd like go past. I'd be like, oh, this is no longer my Thunderbird. I got to throw my mid here instead. And like, yeah, yeah. that's an incredible feeling. She was like, dang, like no wonder I got slapped around last time I was here. Everyone was throwing mids and putters when I was throwing distance drivers. So that was a big one for me. But that was like during yeah. that first year where like basically Silas played a tournament in March. Was it Silas that we played? Uh, yeah. 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 So yeah. like if that tournament, if you just like you never played Falling Creek and the next March we showed back up and you played the exact same tournament, it'd be like a wild experience. Because yeah. like playing it oh my pro- playing it progressively, yeah. it like you don't notice the changes. Yeah. But like that's what happened mm-hmm. to me is like this course I didn't see for a little over a year and then I showed back up for another tournament and I was like, What is this place? Like this is way easier. We than need I it. Let's uh let's you guys need to all come down here at some point. Yeah. We'll have Silas play Dash's track. Heck yeah. And then he'll grind and get better and you know get better. And then we'll bring him back a year later and we'll do it before and after. All and right. it'll be one of the, like you playing Dash's track right now, Silas, you'll be like, this course is so difficult. This is like one of the hardest courses I've ever played. I don't know if I'd say hardest and then, ever. Uh not many are hardest. You'd be able to birdie. He I mean, we did, we did have New London. <laughs> Dash's you, you track is like a uh, harder. Dash's piece track is hard though if you don't. It's hit hard the gap. to score. It's like, hard to you, score. If you get if you get off the fairway at Dash's track, like you, bogey is not out of the question. But um, but it is one of those where it's like as long as you hit the if you can hit the initial gap on every hole, like you're gonna shoot 15 under probably. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we should, we need to do something like that because that's always gosh, I that is always the the best feeling ever. Is like playing a course that you haven't played. Well, speaking of like trips, we're going to Charleston next month, as we had mentioned on the. I think it was the. Oh, I need to book my did. flights. You do. I need to book my flights for. Uh, that. But Silas today brought up. He's like, "Am I going to Charleston?" And I was like, "Well, it wasn't really like planned. Like we're just doing some bogey rebels and foundation first nation." I was like, "Would you want to go?" He's like, "Yeah." So his task now, because we leave tomorrow, me, Trevor, and uh, Connor, we leave tomorrow to go to Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, that whole thing. So we're going the rest of this week. Yeah. We're back on Monday, and on Monday, we always have a media meeting. And during the media meeting, I've given Silas the task of creating a PowerPoint to try to convince me why it's necessary for him to be in Charleston. And if he can do so with his PowerPoint, we're going to allow Wait, him to Wait, this is on Monday? On Monday <laughs> Monday morning, he will be doing a PowerPoint presentation. I think we'll probably I'm film it for the in. Patreon. I think we'll film it for the Patreon for sure. Uh, yeah, and it'll be, it'll be a, a group business decision of, is it good enough? Is there enough reason for Silas to come to Charleston with us? 
It's it's gonna be professionally done. It's fully in your hands, Silas. If you can, I am yeah. I am on the fence right now. This PowerPoint could push me right into your hands oh. of letting you come. What this PowerPoint is? What time are mind. you guys doing it roughly? We normally do it at seven, but we can we can change it up. No, do it at seven because I'll right. be up because I have a flight. I have a flight in the morning, so that Perfect. works out perfectly for me. All right, seven Eastern. We'll Skype Brody in. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I, I can't gonna be wait. Fascinating. And if you want to watch it, that's I think gonna we're gonna try. To, we'll try to film it for Patreon. I'll post about it once it happens. Uh, if we get to post it on Patreon, so if you want to watch it, you, you're not gonna want to miss out. And Silas, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, you're coming to Charleston with us, man. Yeah, I, we'll, I'm, we'll gonna, find I'm out. gonna bring the heat on this on this presentation. <laughs> it's uh, I took speech class in college freshman oh, year. Oh heck yeah! So I, I'm geared up. I'm ready to go. I've never been more excited. So, so, so I'll give you a helpful, I'll give you one helpful tip. Okay. Oh, let's hear it. Bring, bring a handful of Charleston chews for everyone to start <laughs> off. Like give everyone a nice Charleston chew, just kind of get, get their sugar levels up. All right. And that will, that will get everyone in a good mood to start the PowerPoint. Okay. Someone, someone asked one why. Of the best, one of the best things from Charleston. Someone asked why are we coming to Charleston? Uh, you'll just have to wait next week. Next week you'll know. We'll just leave it at that. Next week you'll know. Next oh, week you'll know why we're coming it? to Charleston. Yeah. So we'll just we'll just leave it there. And you know what? I think that's a good note to end the show on. I think next week you'll know. Okay. We'll end it there. And I yeah. think we wrap it up. Any any final call outs or anything, Brody? Uh yeah. You know. I mean, I think some people are trying to cancel me on Twitter. So I had that whole <laughs> had that whole deal happen. Yeah. Of where it's just like I you know, I, I wouldn't talk about certain things on my own Twitter account, which I find absolutely fascinating. That's Twitter, man. It, I'll, I'll say this because I did say it on the Twitter live, but I thought it was so interesting because when I first came into disc golf, I had people basically saying, like, telling me to stop talking and, like, earn it or, like, you haven't been around long enough or you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But yet I have people on Twitter asking me to talk about stuff that i have nothing i have no idea what i'm talking about yeah and because i'm because i'm saying like hey i don't know what i'm talking about so i don't think it really makes sense for me to like say my opinion on things because i just don't even know if that's like right or not it's kind of wild that people are still like well no you should you should stay your opinions on stuff that you know nothing about but we can save that for another one there you have it maybe again i'll i mean we we are always down for having special guests come on and debate us about anything and everything. And uh, we'll see if that ever, if that day ever does come, it has yet to come. All right. There you have it. Talk to you next week.